So turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Today we're celebrating 13 years of Life Tree Community Church. 13 years. All right. It's been a wild ride. Uh, it was much less gray when we started this church. Uh, I only had two children at that time. Uh, I'm so thankful for the privilege of walking through this life with all of you. It's truly been a gift. I'm thankful for the leadership of our church, for our elders and our deacons and our trustees, for uh, our teachers and musicians, and for everyone who serves every week, for our hospitality folks and our setup crew. Uh, I'm just so thankful for everybody who makes Life Tree a reality. I'm thankful for our staff. We've got wonderful, phenomenal staff, pastors and, and administration. It's so just a, an incredible group of people to do life with. It's hard to find uh, good people, right? Hard to find people to do life with, and so I'm so grateful uh, for our staff. Uh, they, Bible college, you know, you go to Bible college, they give you job descriptions uh, for good staff. You ever have that? Like a, you know, and so uh, we've got a job description. So for senior pastors, this is what they told us. Senior pastors are able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, more powerful than a locomotive, faster than a speeding bullet. They walk on water, and they have a, a direct line to God. That's, that's supposedly, that's what I have. I don't know. Community pastors, Pastor Kevin, right, able to leap short buildings in a single bound, almost as powerful as a locomotive, just as fast as a speeding bullet, uh, walks on water if the sea is calm, and talks with God regularly. Children's pastors leap short buildings with a running start, prefer toy trains to locomotives, faster than a speeding BB. They walk on water if they know where the rocks are, and they talk with God if the special request is approved. All right, there we go. Uh, worship pastors, Pastor Vic, uh, run into small buildings, recognize a locomotive two out of three times, own a squirt gun, know how to use the water fountain, and mumble to themselves. Um, and then church administrators like Danielle pick up buildings and walk under them, knock locomotives off the tracks, catch speeding bullets in their teeth, freeze water with a single glance, and when God speaks says, can I ask who's calling? So there you go. That's not too far from the truth, right? I love this church. I really do. I'm so grateful for this church. love everybody who's a part of it. Do you know who loves it more than I do? God. God really, really, really loves this church. Not just a little, but God is totally devoted to the church. Like, he loves this church. He tells Peter, I'm going to build my church. It belongs to me. It's my church. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's his. God compares his love for the church to a marriage. He says, like a husband should love his wife, that's how I love the church. I give up my life for the church. I sacrifice for the church. My, my wife and I just this week celebrated 20 years of marriage. 20 years, and I know there's a lot of love in this room. Some of you have been married a lot, lot longer than that. And there's special love in long relationships, right? There's this love in long relationships. God has loved the church since the beginning of time. God has always loved his church because it's his. It's why Jesus went crazy in the temple, flipping tables and, and doing all that stuff, right? He had said passion for God's house had consumed him. God loved the church. The church is special, and God is totally in love with it. So the question is this, why does God love the church so much? Why does God love church so much? We know it's the, the hope of the world, right? Jesus said the church is the light of the world, like a city on a hill that can't be hidden. This is the hope of our world, is the church. He created the church to help people in the dark find him. That's why he said you're like light. He said people are everywhere, they're in the dark, and I will plant a light in the middle of them all, and I'll call it my church. Because of the church, 
because of us, people come into contact with something greater in us, which leads them to Him. God loves the church. In the past few weeks, we've talked about what that means for us, what we do as a, as a church. Right? What's our role in that? What are we doing here? And today, we're going to flip the question just a little bit. We've talked about what are we doing. Today, the question is, what is He doing? Not just what are we doing, but okay, so that's what we're doing. What is He doing? Since God loves the church so much, what is His part in all of this? And he tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, if you've turned there, you can read along with me here. It's such an important scripture for everybody in church anywhere. Ephesians chapter 4, not yet, not yet, not yet. This is where the pastors get our job description, right? It's where we as a church find our goal. See, I told them not yet because as soon as it goes up, everybody starts reading. And I'm not there yet, so I just want to, that's, I'm sorry. It's control. This is where the pastors get our job description from, from this verse. This is where it tells me what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Um, it's where we as a church find our goal, and it's where we find what God is doing. It's a, it's, Ephesians 4 is such a huge ver- chapter for the church. So listen for those three things as we read this. Ephesians 4.11, now you can put it up. It says this, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. In verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. See, there it is. My job is to equip you. That's my job. My job is to equip you to build each other up. My job is not to do all the work of the church. How many are thankful for that? Because I would be terrible doing kids. I would be terrible doing hospitality. All we'd have is donuts ever. Um, My job is not to do the work, but to help us collectively do the work, to make sure the work is getting done, to build up, to equip, to resource, to support My primary responsibility, as is all pastors everywhere, is not to do everything, but it's to equip people to do all the work, to encourage, to build each other up. And verse 13 continues, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then, it says, we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every new wind of teaching. We're not going to be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. That means our job collectively is to keep pursuing unity as people, to keep become, trying to become one, to, to keep growing in our relationship with God until we're completely mature, rock solid in our faith, totally wise, speaking nothing but truth, always with love. Basically, our job is to keep going until we're perfect, until we've perfected this, until we're like Jesus. So our mission is to build something incredible, something that actually leads to us all collectively, not just a few, but everybody becoming perfect. That's the goal. That's what God designed the church to accomplish. So we, we, we say this in Discovery, if you've been in Discovery. So if that's the goal, that means we're close. We're like just a few months away from being perfect as a church. We've almost perfected this thing. We're there. 13 years in, we're like right on the edge. This is what God designed the church to do, to be perfect. And it says this, verse 16. It says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. See, the goal of the church is to be a life-giving community that helps everyone, that's part of it, become healthy and growing, and full of love. Which means that because of this church, because of this church, that whether 
this one, actually, or any other church, you would be healthy. And not just physically. It's not like, hey, I went to church and I got healthy, but that you would be holistically healthy. Mind, body, soul, every part of you would be healthy. That your relationships would be healthy. Your emotions would be healthy. Your spiritual life would be healthy. That you would be healthier today than you were yesterday. That's how God's designing it. That you would be growing in health. That because of the church, you would be actively growing in your relationship with God. That you would say, I'm closer to God today than I was yesterday. That that's what the church is meant to accomplish, to help you grow in that. And that because of the church, you would be absolutely saturated with love. That the people around you would say, you are more loving than you've ever been. I'm struck by how loving you are. That, that new people would meet you and just go, man, that is, that's a really loving person. That everyone in your life would see something different with, than you, different in you. That they would tangibly feel the love of God in you. Right? That that's what the church is supposed to do. It's supposed to turn you into a, a loving person. Right, who's growing, who's healthy. That's what the church is supposed to do, and that's why God loves it so much. So here's the question. If that's what we're doing, if that's what we as the church are doing for each other, okay, great. What is God doing? Same question now. What is God doing in this? What's his part in all this? Obviously, we know God's empowering us to be life-giving and community-building and disciple-making to do all those things. But is there anything else that God is doing like on his own, like independent of that? Is God doing other things other than just empowering us, what else is he doing on his own? And the answer is absolutely God is doing something else. And he tells us right there in Ephesians. And he actually has the hardest and he has the most important job. Thankfully, he reserved that for himself. Uh, and here's what God says his one job is. You ready? He's got one job and here it is. He says this, I am making all of us fit together perfectly. So God says, I'm making all of you fit together perfectly. All right? Imagine how hard it must be to take a bunch of people who are far from perfect, who have so much to learn, who are so different, who are still figuring out life, who don't have the clarity about life that God has, so people who doubt and who fail and, and who are selfish sometimes and who can be deceived and who forget. And God says, I'm going to take all of these people all over the world, all different languages, I'm going to take all these people that are, that are trying to follow me and I'm going to fit them together perfectly. It's hard enough in a marriage to make two people fit together perfectly, right? And God says, I'm going to do that with everybody everywhere. Can you see why that's such a hard job? <laughs> and that's precisely what God says he's doing. God is right now working in each one of us, helping us fit better and better with each other so that we can all be healthy and growing and full of love. That's what God is doing right now. Right now, he's trying to take all of us collectively and fit us together. He's not trying to just work on you independently over here so that you're good. He is saying, I'm trying to get you all to work together so that you can be healthy and growing and full of love. God believes in and loves the church. He loves the church. So what does it look like for God to do that? Like, what does that actually look like practically? And again, he tells us in there, it says, first, God says, I, I give gifts to the church, pastors. He says, I am raising up and calling leaders in the church. That's how God, that's the first thing God says I'm doing. He says this, not just me, right? But he says, God keeps calling and raising up new people who will serve the church. Pastors and missionaries and evangelists and prophets and teachers. God keeps calling moms who went to school for criminal justice and redirects their compassionate heart to say, I'm going to teach you to serve the church, right? Shana, who just 
got approved and is going to be getting ordained and is on her way following the call of God in her life. Because guess what? That's God at work fitting us together perfectly. God is calling young people to commit themselves to a life of service in other countries or in the church somewhere. We've got missionaries. We've got, we got students from Valley Forge, University of Valley Forge here today. Hey, what's up, guys? Preparing themselves for a life of service in the church and in the world. It's what they're here to do because God keeps calling. God calls people firmly established in careers to a just course, pursue a new season of serving the church. This is not to discount or dis- diminish other professions. Every profession matters. There's no hierarchy in this. But the fact that God keeps calling and raising up people to serve the church through vocational ministry proves he is at work fitting us together perfectly because that's what he keeps doing. He loves the church, so he keeps calling people to serve the church. That's what, that's what vocational ministers are. They're servants of the church. And God says, I'm going to fit it together perfectly, so I'm going to keep calling. I'm going to keep calling. Second, God says, I'm uniting people together in faith. I'm calling, but I also unite people in faith. He aligns us in faith with him. He doesn't align us along governmental lines. Are you Republican? Are you Democrat? Are you liberal? Are you this? Are you that? Nope. He doesn't align us according to power or wealth or in people, or in leaders, or who are you following, which pastor? Nope, God says it isn't about any of that stuff. I am aligning you to me, uniting us to him. When Peter was able to walk on the water that one time, right, says he was doing fine when he looked at Jesus. But as soon as he got his eyes off Jesus and started looking at the situation around him, he began to sink. This world seeks to get our eyes off of God and onto obstacles and onto other things and Things that we think might be the answer. Things that might lead us. Well, if I just follow this person, if I follow this ideology, if I follow this way, and God says, no, 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 I'm aligning you to me. As you all look to me, as you are united in your faith in me, guess what? God says, you're going to see the same hope, the same power, the same love I bring together. Rich, poor, young, old, east, west, strong, weak, doesn't matter. It means that when you find yourself in agreement with people who are so different than you, but you say, somehow, somehow we're together in this. We see Jesus. We're so different. Couldn't be more different on all these things. But Jesus brings us together when you see that God is at work fitting us together perfectly. It says he's helping us become mature. Don't, don't elbow anybody, but do you know somebody that needs to be a little more mature? All right. All right. Don't look. Don't look. All right. We all start off immature. It's the progression of life. We all start off foolish and young Right? The, the glory of youth is their vigor, their zeal. They just don't have any wisdom. They're going 100 miles an hour, and it's great, and they're loving it, but they have no idea where they're going. Right? We all start out really, really immature. And then what happens is every new idea, it gets our attention. We wonder if it's true. We're vulnerable to being misled. But God is helping us become more mature, more discerning. The writer of Hebrews defines maturity as the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. That's why King Solomon prayed, give me an understanding heart so I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. Maturity is the difference, knowing the difference between right and wrong is the ability to discern how to live in this world and to know who to trust. How do I know who to trust in this world? God says, I will help you become more mature. I will help you learn to recognize those people. Next week, we're going to talk about how to live in this world. We're starting a whole new series on culture and how do we respond to culture, and it's something that God's been kind of speaking to me about for a couple of years now, so it's, I, I'm just, buckle up. We're going we're gonna to go into some stuff. I think it's very timely. But when you find yourself 
able to know who to trust. You go, I can tell that that person is trustworthy. I can discern that this is true and that's not. That is God at work fitting us together perfectly. God is at work steadying our foundation. Life's unpredictable. We don't know what to expect. We don't know what each day holds, God, but God plants so deeply in us his truth so that when the storms come, we're steady. When you endure hard times, when you find yourself stronger in faith than you thought you were, when you go through something, I don't know how I made it through that, but I did. I came through this situation, and I'm, I'm still standing. God says, hey, I did that for you. I steadied you. And what it does when you come through a situation and you're firm, what it does is it enables you to help other people who are not steady. Because when you're founded on God and they're not there yet, you can say, hey, I can help you from this perspective because God has founded me. I am strong. I am firm. That is God at work fitting us together perfectly. I'm putting people together who can help each other, who can strengthen each other. Continues. This is what God is doing. He's helping us speak the truth in love. It's what Jesus did. He did not hold back. Jesus said some very hard things to people, but always in love. He didn't crush people. He spoke truth in a way that it could be heard. It's not easy to do. And God is committed to helping us do it. That means when you hear hard truth in a way that is loving, you go, oh, that's God at work. Right? And when you find yourself saying truth in ways that people can receive, you go, I don't know how to say this. I really got to say this to somebody. I don't know. God, help me. And you're able to speak truth to somebody that, that could have maybe offended them or turned them off or hurt their feelings, and instead they receive it. You know, that's God at work because we all need to hear truth. I don't always like it, but I need people to speak truth into my life. And God says, that's me because when, I, when you hear people speaking truth, that's God at work fitting us together perfectly, giving people what we need to help us with our blind spots. It's not simple. It's not immediate. It's never-ending work, and God is up for it. It's what he does. This is what God is doing. He's fitting us together perfectly. He loves the church. He believes in it. That's what he's doing. So what? Here we go. So what? Years ago, a pastor I respect uh, from, from, from here in New Jersey was speaking at an event for pastors and uh, if you don't know, I'm a pastor, but I need pastoring. I need people to speak into my life. I need, so I seek out people that kind of, you know, I say, hey, just, just help me out. And he was one of those people. He's a, a veteran pastor about to retire in the next month or so, actually. And uh, uh, he said something at that event that hit me like a lightning bolt. And uh, he was sharing wisdom that he had gleaned during his years in the pastoral role. And what he said was so simple, so simple that when you hear it, you're going to be like, Really? But it hit me that day. And it was something I knew. It's something you know. But it got my attention. I just, you know when you just hear something different? You're like, I, I know what you're saying, but it just, it just sounded different that day. His advice to the pastors in the room. Again, pastors should be intuitive. This is his advice to pastors. Ready? He said this, love the church. And then he added, Jesus does. That was it. Love the church. Jesus does. And I'll be honest, at that point in my life, I was a pastor, ordained, committed to serving the church, part of the church, had grown up in church, had seen it in all its glory, had seen the ugly sides, had caught glimpses of what it could be and what it shouldn't be. But did I love it? Not just the idea of it, not just what it could be. Did I love the church as it was? 
that I love the people who made it up. The people who could be incredible and the people who were hurtful. The people who were all in and the people who couldn't make up their mind. Did I love all the church? Because Jesus does. And if I'm honest, in that moment, I didn't. I respected the church. I appreciated the church. But I didn't love it. And in that moment, I had a real come-to-Jesus experience. (laughs) And I repented. And I confessed that I didn't love the church. It's important to state truth, to be honest with ourselves. There's no sense not being honest with God. And I invited God to change my heart, to give me a love for the church that he had called me to serve. So can I ask you today, do you love the church? Do you really, really love it? Not do you respect it, do you appreciate it, do you love it? Do you have love for the children of God, for your brothers and sisters, for this messy and amazing community that God is committed to fitting together perfectly? This imperfect community that is somehow the hope of the world. Do you love this? Here's how we're going to know. 1 Corinthians helps us know what love looks like, right? This is what love looks like. So let's just apply that. Love is patient. So let me ask you, are you patient with the church? Patient when it's not as far along as you want it? When people aren't as far along as you want it? God hasn't given up on the church yet. Love is patient. Love is kind. Are you kind to the people in it? Do you think about how you can do good for the people that are part of it? Because love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud about how you're doing compared to anyone else. Are you comparing yourself to people in the church? Love doesn't do that. Do you love the church? Stop comparing us. Stop comparing us to other churches. We're all one church. We're all one body. Love the church. Love is not rude to others in the church. It doesn't demand its own way. It does not demand that the church be what you want. It doesn't demand that the church sing the songs you like or have the kind of bagels that you want or the carpet colors or start on the time you want, you know, all those things. Not saying you can't share those things. We, we welcome opinions and your perspectives. But love doesn't demand. Love says, open hands. Are you easily irritated by other Christians? <laughs> love isn't. Love keeps no record of being wronged by others in the church. Listen, as a pastor, sometimes people come up to me, and I don't know why they do this. Not, nobody here, nobody here ever. But they give me their list of all the reasons they don't like other churches. I don't like that church because of this and this and this and this, and they do this and this and this and this. Listen, I understand that some things that happened in churches are not okay. But can I tell you, throw the list away. Love the church. Jesus does, and love keeps no record of being wronged. Love doesn't rejoice when churches close or fail or struggle. We are all on the same team. God's got one church. We are working together. We need to pray for the flourishing of every church that lifts up the name of Jesus. Jesus said, if they're not against us, they are on our side. Love never gives up. Never loses faith. Is always hopeful. Love endures through every circumstance. Can I be proud for a moment? 
So many of you have not given up on this church. 13 years, 14 moves, so much change, so much you've had to endure. Saturday nights online, early morning set up, chairs. What, what, what is that church doing today? Where are they today? What, what are you even doing? Let me tell you, you have endured. You have done it. And I know so many of you genuinely love this church. And I'm grateful because it's a gift. I just want to tell you, it's pure incense to God. He delights in your love for what he loves. We're to love the church because Jesus does. And if you don't, very simple, just say, okay, God, I don't. Help me. Help me have a heart of love for this place, for these people. Let me tell you, if you are bitter or hurt or angry or frustrated with the church, perhaps you're not even here today and you're watching online because you don't even want to be here because something bothers you. Can I just say it's understandable, absolutely understandable. The church is full of imperfect people, but that doesn't mean it's acceptable. God loves this church, and he is putting us together perfectly, and every one of us is meant to be a part of it. We can't be what this church is created to be without all of us submitting and saying, God, fit me in. Fit me in, God. You are meant to be part of it. So I encourage you, invite God to help you love his church. As we grow in our love for the church, here's what's going to happen. We're all going to become healthier. We're all going to be growing in our relationship with God in every way. And we will be full of love, not just for the people we like, but we'll be full of love for everyone. The mission of God is to see the church one day presented before heaven. And this is how he talks about it. He says, my goal, my ambition, my dream. This is my interpretation. What God is saying, he says, is this, to present before heaven a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. She will be holy and without fault. God's desire is a perfect church, a pure church. That's a big job. But he says, it's my church. I'm going to build it. I love the church. Absolutely perfect. And we can be certain that God who began that good work, he's going to continue it until he finishes it one day. It's going to happen. One day the church will be done. I want to close with a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed over the church. And I tweaked it a little bit just for us today. So would you close your eyes and receive this prayer today? Heavenly Father, as we think of all this, we fall to our knees and we pray to you, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And we pray that from your glorious, unlimited resources, you will empower our church with inner strength through your Holy Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in our hearts as we trust in him. And our roots will grow down into God's love and keep us strong. And may we have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May we experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then, then we will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God who is able 
through his mighty power at work within us. Through his mighty power at work within us. Through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or imagine. All glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. And everybody said, Amen.